Welcome to The Dreaming. I'm Sasha Smulders. I'm Joe Fulgham. This is The Sandman, Issue 63, The Kindly Ones, Part 7. Part 7. Hey, Dreamers, here we are, ready to talk about the latest issue of The Sandman that we're up to, number 63. I want to remind everybody what we're doing here. Sasha has just read this issue, like twice, a good two read-throughs, immediately before we record, and I have all the research and stuff. Because we had a few people be a little confused about that and wonder whether Sasha knows what's going on or not, and they don't. I have no idea. So I've never read this series. And like the way we record is I just, I sit here all comfy and cozy and I read through the single issue twice uh, with no spoilers. Sometimes I go back and read the previous issue and then read the newest issue twice because I have a very bad memory as well. And We've also been spacing them out a little too much. Yeah. It's been a slow year. It's been a slow year. Um, And then uh, I, I read it through twice and we record immediately. Yep. So I think the thing to keep in mind is that you should take everything I say with a grain of salt, (laughs) because if I say something that's not in the text, I'm just kind of pulling it out of my brain, which is made of meat and is flawed. Whereas, uh, but Joe does a great job. He actually does fact check me on the fly quite a bit because he's a computer whiz (laughs) and he's at a computer, unlike me. If you make a note that I wasn't aware of, sure, I'll double check it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love your insight into this. I think that I, I really like the way that the podcast has turned out. It, it's odd that we kind of have to take this time to talk about it. I don't know. I think especially with a pod, as a person who listens to a lot of podcasts when they've been running for a long time, like even if you've been listening from the beginning, sometimes you kind of forget what what's going on, you know, and it's hard to know exactly the context. Sometimes it's hard to picture what the space is like mm-hmm. when you're listening to two people talk. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. I don't, I've I've stopped. I have to admit, I've stopped listening to podcasts, so I don't know. Mm. And yet, I, I grow stronger I just, with every podcast I listen to. <laughs> well, yeah, you get to do that at work all the time, and I uh, I edit so much podcast that it really annoys me to listen to more people talking. Especially, I'm going to just say it and sound a little snooty here if they don't edit the way that we do, because <laughs> I'll hear it and I'll be like, "Why wasn't that cut? Mm. Why wasn't this big empty spot not at least cut down?" Why are all these ums still in there? See, that's a note for any of our listeners out there. If you <laughs> want us to, if you if you if you care about other podcasts and you want to recommend them, don't bother to recommend them to Joe. Just recommend them to me because <laughs> I will listen to them and Joe won't. It's terrible when you're when you're known for being a podcaster and people ask you, "So, what podcasts do you listen to?" And I'm like, "I well, I can give you a list of what I used to before I started editing so many." Let's get into the comic. Let's start with the cover. Mm -hmm. I really like this one, and it's probably Dave McKean's favorite, he says, but he's not sure why. He does say, though, that he created the individual objects separately, and those are a clay and thread figure, photography, silk, and a Macintosh. And he said each element was worked on separately. And as he put them together in, I guess, Photoshop, he laughed out loud at how quickly it just became perfect. Yeah. Like he just he just had the snakes and the figure and photographed it all and put it all together and he was just like, Oh wow, that's pretty much it. It's and laughed out loud at how great it was. Well what's cool is the snakes don't just look like snakes. They also kind of remind me of the fish that Delirium is playing with too Mm -hmm. a little bit like at first i thought they were goldfish and then i was like oh of course they're snakes they're on her head their hair but then i was like "Ah, they do also just a little bit look like goldfish yeah a little bit the coloring i i love the color choices too the the orangey shades and the green in the background work really really well Mm -hmm. dave says it was neil who suggested an image of snake hair and what about what do you think of the wood in her throat that's supposed to look like i know that's 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 thread but it kind of looks like sticks right Hmm. I I think it looks like thread. It doesn't, I don't think sticks. But I guess, I mean. Like a bundle of twigs is almost what it looks like to me from a distance. Hmm. What do you think that means wrapped around her then? The thread? Mm Hmm. Hmm. Like my feeling is that that's what's holding her together. Yeah. Right? That she's barely held together Mm because that really fits Lita. So she's like wrapped up like this, like without this thread, she'd probably just fall apart. Hmm. And we've also remember 
every issue just about of this has started with uh, some kind of thread. With a cord, and this one has that too. And this does, yeah. Well, let's get into that. We're at the the first page, and we can see the line from, uh, I'm guessing, the CB radio in the taxi cab. Yeah. So it's the, the taxi cord. And then also what takes up most of this shot too is of a mother. Mm-hmm. The Virgin Mary. Yep. That's right. The mother. Mm-hmm. A holy mother. Yeah. And she's lit from behind. I don't think she's actually lit from behind. That's just a light in the distance, I'm oh, guessing. I think she lights up. Oh, okay. I, I think she's got a light up head. But then why is there another light above? What's that uh, other light? That could be whatever's hanging from the top there. I don't know. See, it's my thought is that she's backlit kind of by coincidence mm. or like there could be a light that comes out of her, but it, it could also be by coincidence, but it lights her like a halo, like how she would yeah. be drawn. I feel like if she was backlit, her face wouldn't be presented as so bright because backlighting tends to make the foreground dark. Maybe. Right? If the light was behind, her face would be dark. So you think she lights up? I think she kind of lights up. Then I just up. think yeah. it's weird that there's another big splotch of light just above her. Mm-hmm. That is weird. But it could be that that's the cord lighting. Like, again, I don't mean like in real life, but saying that her, I don't know, the Virgin Mary, which is who that is, is kind of, that's her holiness. Maybe there's something, it's drawing attention to the cord because that's what it's around. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So there's a very sweaty cab driver. Yep. And he doesn't approve of the place that he is taking his passenger to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want to wait for her, but she insists. Yeah, it's a bad news area of L.A. And who is this passenger? Do you recognize her? I recognize her. I just don't know her name. So she calls herself in this Larissa. Yeah. Uh, Larissa is the capital of the Thessaly region of Greece. Oh, and she was called Thessaly when we had her last time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely recognize her. Yep. Um, She's a bad witch. Actually, (laughs) she seems to be a neutral witch. She seems to be a selfish witch. Yeah. Right? She keeps, like, doing things for herself. Well, is she doing this for herself? I We don't know. Hmm. That is interesting. Why would she be doing what she's doing? Well, let's look at what she's doing first. Yeah, so she gets out of the cab. She heads towards a bin fire with a bunch of... uh... Homeless people, I guess we could say. Yeah. I mean, we're guessing homeless. I don't think when you have a home, you head out and hang around a a burning fire, but maybe some people do. Yeah, People on our street like to hang out outside all the time and they all have homes. Also, you could be going down to that area for other reasons. Yeah, for sure. Too. Mm Mm-hmm. She approaches them. She asks them that she tells them she's looking for a woman. They, uh, One of them tells her that there's a woman nearby, um, assuming that she's looking for a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, she clarifies that she's looking for a woman with blonde hair and that she is very strong. <laughs> and they know immediately who she's talking about because she just nearly broke somebody's jaw. Yeah. I mean, you can see he's depicted in the bottom corner there, the bottom left corner. Um, and he does look like his face has just been totally rearranged. Yeah, that's uh, one eye is closed all up, bleeding from the mouth. The other eye looks pretty black. And and his nose turns like three different corners. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and they let her know that she's sleeping mm-hmm. and where to go. So she heads over to her and we see Lita all curled up on the ground sleeping. And Larissa, <laughs> if that's what we're calling her now. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaks to her, and she appears to Lita as a white bird. Yeah, I think it looks like a seagull. It, it, yeah, it's. I'm trying to figure out. I've been trying to figure out what kind of bird it is. The it certainly looks like a seagull on the first image, mm-hmm. but the later ones, it kind of doesn't to me. It looks too big to be a dove. Yeah, it's definitely not a. And dove. And it has the wrong kind of beak. Yeah, I, it's weird because so. I think because you and I live on the West Coast, mm-hmm. there's nothing mystical or mysterious about seagulls yeah we just kind of hate them i don't hate them but like a lot of people around here hate them yeah and it makes sense because they're a bird that is very well adapted to urban areas and they act as a pest kind of like pigeons do except they are the size of a small dog (laughs) and so they are much more dramatic about being 
annoying, if that makes sense, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so to us, we just think of them as these huge, annoying birds that crap on everything and, (laughs) and wreck stuff. And if they come and try to take food from you, it's like, maybe just give them the food because they're very big. Yeah. So it doesn't seem mysterious, but especially that the size of this bird's wings, it looks like a seagull. Like, look at how wide those wings are compared well, to its body. We don't know how far away from... Okay, I guess, It's yeah. not the size of the bird. It's the it's the, the wingspan wings in comparison bird. to yeah. the body makes me think it's a seagull. Maybe it's an albatross or something like that. Like Maybe. some other seabird. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what it is, uh, which means it's difficult to figure out what the symbolism is. Yeah, because seabirds usually have quite large wings. Yeah. Yeah. And she follows her back to the taxi. And we can see in, in, uh, in her little... In her inner world, Lita has snakes coming from the bottom of her hair. Yeah. Her hair is still half white, but there are snakes at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Did she get those in the last, not the previous issue, because that was the one when they were in England, but the the one before, did she have those snakes showing up? I don't remember now. She'd been at the house with the Gorgons, mm-hmm. and they had thought that she was going to be their new sister. Yeah. And she stayed there, and when she woke up, she had snake hair. Ah. Well... Uh, Larissa, she who shall be named Larissa, uh, <laughs> takes her and puts her in the cab to leave. And the homeless guys think that Lita was a space alien, a robot space alien, mm-hmm. and that Larissa was FBI and that the cab was actually a government ship. Yeah. But they don't actually believe any of that. Yeah. Mm. And here we are with the uh, title, The Kindly One Seven. It's a good time to do the credits. Neil Gaiman, of course, the writer, and Dave McKean, as noted, did the cover. Mark Hempel is the inker and penciler. Android Images and Daniel Vazo are the colorists. Todd Klein, letterer. Karen Berger, editor. And Shelley Bond, the associate editor. The cover date was September 1994. The in-store date is August 19th of 1994. The Dreamcastle's looking particularly spooky. Yeah, spooky and definitely kept away from other things look at how it's not really touching the ground it's up in the clouds Mm -hmm. the only path to it is this long winding aerial path with no guardrails this is dream's castle when he doesn't want anybody showing up Mm. yeah it's very like maleficent yeah (laughs) like this castle um and you can see that i could i i could tell immediately that it was odin approaching yeah tall guy with a hat and two two ravens with him yeah yeah. Gives himself a long description, though. I'm called Grim, the Death Blinder, the High Ones, the Gallows God. I'm called Gondlier, the Wand Bear, and I'm Grimnir, the Hooded One, the Terrible, the Wakeful. You know me. I am Odin, Bor's son, and your master has done me a great wrong. What a drama queen. <laughs> well, like when the greatest trickster in your entire pantheon has been freed by somebody for what you think is no good reason, you're pretty upset. Like, look, I took the guy and bound him beneath the earth forever until Ragnarok, and you've messed that up. <laughs> How dare you? I just feel like I need to come up with a really long version of my name, like... Daenerys Targaryen, Stormborn, like all that stuff, mm-hmm. just so that when someone has like cut in line in front of me at the grocery store, I can be like, I'm Sasha, podcaster of Neil Gaiman comics, burlesque dancer, and human crush honey, human crush honey, and jazz school dropout. Like I can go through the long list, mm-hmm. um, and 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 like, and you have wronged me. <laughs> Take the skittles and leave, <laughs> like. It's very different from my usual online bio, which is, I'm just this guy, you know? It doesn't sound as scary if you say that in a grocery store I, when someone's wrong to you. I know. It's my reference to Zaphod Beeblebrox from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. That was what his psychiatrist said about him. Well, Zaphod's just this guy, you know? <laughs> <sighs> and he demands that Morpheus show up, and he, he does. He's also coughing blood. Are we going to talk about that? Yeah. Is that sure. because Ragnarok has begun? Because Loki escaped? Uh, I mean, maybe. Maybe Ragnarok is close. Maybe he's old. Maybe, I mean, Odin is definitely an older god. He seems to be holding on longer than he should, right? Okay. Like a lot of other stories of great 
elder gods, when they have pantheons and sons and fathers and stuff like that, the son overtakes the father. Mm-hmm. That you know that's that's what Odin did to his dad. That's you know Zeus did that to his father. There's always that story of the son. Because it's because it's a t- telling the human story too, right? Because eventually the father gets old and the son kind of takes over the household if it's a patriarchal society anyway. So uh, Odin did that to Bor. Yeah, Bor's not talked about that much. His role in Norse mythology is unclear. Hmm. So there's not a lot of stories about him. No source provides information about Bor's mother, but Bor's father was licked free from the earth by the primeval cow Aumbla. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah. Aumbla. Aumbla. I think I'm saying that right. It's A U, and then oh, geez, what is that? It's it's like a squiggly D with a line through that. Maybe I'm saying it. Maybe it's Aumbla. Oh, it's a T H. Neato burrito. It is. It's T H. So it's Aumbla. Cool. Aumbla in Norse mythology. Aumbla is a primeval cow. The primordial frost Jotun Emir fed fed from her milk, and over the course of three days, she licked away the salty rime locks and revealed Buri, grandfather of the gods and brothers Odin, Vili, and Ve. Hmm. So she was a cow, and she licked up the earth, and the gods came out. Yep. Neato. And the the frost giant Emir was uh, fed from her milk. Clearly. Yeah, that's how you become a frost giant. It's by suckling at a primeval cow. Well, Odin's a nasty man. Yep. Coughs a bunch of blood out. Yep. Just in time for Dream to make a dramatic entrance Mm -hmm. in what has got to be the best outfit he has ever worn. It's a pretty pretty, uh, snazzy outfit, yeah. This is just straight up Prince at this point. You're totally right, yeah. Like, it's there's a purple jacket with... um, I think it's gold. Is that gold? no? It's purple underneath. You could tell the jacket. It's... No, no, no. Purple, but the lining is gold. Well, like it, the... that's either a lining or that's literally the lapel of the jacket mm. goes all the way down. Mm-hmm. The lapel doesn't tuck. It goes all the way down and around the exterior. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's got gold swirly interior lines. He's got a white ja- uh, shirt underneath it with a popped collar, mm-hmm. and then over it, he's got his cape, his flame cape. With its own popped collar, mm-hmm. popped and, past his ears. And thigh-high boots. And oh yeah, let's not forget the thigh-high boots. <laughs> Holy shit. This is literally the, yeah, the most outrageous of all of his costumes. Uh, anybody who cosplays as Dream and doesn't wear this outfit is a coward. <laughs> I'm dropping that right here. You're a coward if this isn't the cosplay you're going for. Okay. We're all cowards, though, so I'm not sure. going to hold it against you. Yeah. And Odin makes his case. He basically sums up, yo, I used to have Loki all tied up, and then I untied him so we could come to you. But, and I thought we put him back, but then I went there, and it's not. It's a dream thing that pretends to be him, and that means it was you, probably. I hate even being reminded of that horrifying thing that he did to Loki to keep him imprisoned. The which horrifying part? The thing where he's wrapped up in his son's intestines. Oh yeah. And his wife has to stand over there and hold the bowl to collect she, the acid. She doesn't have to. She chooses to. That's the that's, uh, oh, that's what hurts so much. Because when he returned her, he said, "You don't owe him anything. Don't do this." And she's like, eh. "She just kept doing it." Because she loves him so much. It's a, sim- it's a symbol of women staying with abusive men. Blah. Burned right into mythology. Blah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it's the mythological, physical representation of all of the emotional work that femme partners do. I mean, it's like a mythical representation of the fact that that the people who wrote... Not, I don't mean Neil Gaiman, don't take mm-hmm. it, me to say this, but the people who wrote these myths potentially just considered women to be the property of men. And so if a man got tortured, his property would go with him to ease him in his torture. I don't know if the Vikings were that way. No, I, I don't think that's true either. It's just, I don't know, it's this weird, I don't know, I don't like it. I don't like that that Odin would create a prison for his son and he would like let her hang out there. <laughs> And have this horrible time. You think he would just be like, 
it's a prison and lady, you shouldn't choose this and then don't give her the option to stay. <laughs> I feel like that would be better. Yeah. If you uh, were a god, maybe you'd choose to do that. Hey, I'm a god. I hereby divorce you. He's not your husband anymore. Nobody else can just pop into that place. <laughs> you got magic powers. Keep her out of there. <laughs> it could be that, you know, that that's a Neil thing with Sigyn. That is Loki's wife. Sigyn. I don't know if the actual mythology has much describing her there. Mm. One of them does note that she is very sad. Yeah. There is a poem that says that the, she's quite sad with him being bound. So she could be sad that she has to be there. She also could be sad that the man she loves is having this happen to him. I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, regardless, we and, took a little walk down memory torture lane. And, and Dream says, yep, that was me. He already escaped you, but he put somebody else there. So I had to let that person free. And so I put a dream there in his place. And Odin asks him what he wanted. What did you want, eh? Mm-hmm. A favor from Loki to place him in your debt, to use him as your agent in some human deal or other? And Dream actually says... Something like that. Yeah. So it wasn't just, oh gosh, I can't let this Chinese god stay here in your place. Mm-hmm. And I can't exactly put you back because that would kind of be a dick move on my part, I guess. It's not that. It's literally, oh, you'll owe me something. It's just I- weird that Dream didn't tattle on him. On... uh on yeah he didn't tell odin i guess he thought that would be interfering but then i think he reveals it right here i think he, it was also interfering he wanted to... him in his debt yeah yeah going back to the end of season of mists i'm looking at it right now dream says i will free susano loki i could return you to the pain and the snake and the dark and loki says no please no and dream says hmm i could create a dream image of you and leave it in his place in the cavern beneath the earth both of you could walk free. No one else would ever need know. I am able to do this thing. And Loki gets on his knees and begs him. And Dream says, he says, would you do that, please? And Dream says, if I were to do this thing, Loki, you would be in my debt. You understand this? And Loki says, I understand. And Dream says, very well, Loki, let us talk. So there's definitely a deal here. We don't know what that is yet. Mm. Gosh. And I guess in the next page over, we kind of get this understanding that Odin doesn't know what it is either. Mm -hmm. Um, You puzzle me, Dreamweaver. Are you a spider who spun a web of cunning and deceit and now waits patiently for his prey to come to him? Or are you a deer, frozen by the light of a hunter's flame, and disaster comes towards you? So he's saying, like, are, are these, are you making these, like, machinations on your own, or are you... Are you being fooled by the trickster god? Yeah. Have you been fooled? Like, did you, or are you, like, playing chess with everybody around you? Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah. Especially knowing that, so what do we know about Loki recently, right? He he killed the little, he killed the little boy. Well, he kidnapped the little boy and put him in the fire. Yeah. And he burned Carla. Mm-hmm. Remember what happened when he burned Carla? Remember what he said? No, what did he say? I am Loki Scarlip, Loki Skywalker, Loki Giant's Child, Loki Liesmith. I am Loki who is fire and wit and hate. I am Loki and I will be under an obligation to no one. Oh, so he killed the little boy to... Screw Dream over? Because he doesn't like owing Dream a favor? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Seems that way. Yeah. But maybe he was supposed to get the kid? Well, as weird as the, uh, I guess, Dream sends the Corinthian and the Raven Matthew to go find the baby. So I guess that means he didn't want the baby died. Yeah. He wouldn't have sent both. Right. Yeah, so he must not have sent Loki. Or or he sent Loki, and Loki went, yeah, okay. And then Loki effed off with the kid and did this stuff because he was like, I'm never going to owe people anything. Oh, so he's like, get the baby. And Loki's like, yes, I'll kill the baby. <laughs> yeah. Instead of like, yeah. get, okay, gotcha. That, that's, that's what it seems like now. We've probably got more stuff to figure out about what's going on. We don't know why any of this would happen. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I love, after all of Odin's posturing, I love what he says at the end. Oh, yeah, it's so good. In truth, there's no real enmity between us. Were I to declare a blood feud with every being ever fooled by Loki, I could begin by killing myself and continue the slaughter until there were neither god nor dwarf nor giant left. It is, after all, what he does. <laughs> hmm. But I am disappointed somehow. I expected more from you, Dreamweaver. And for my part, I am sorry to have disappointed you, Odin Battle King. And he looks sad like that next image of him disappearing into the mist. He's looking down. That's a mopey look. Yeah, he's the Mope King. He is sorry to have disappointed Odin. And then we're back in Destiny's Garden. With delirium. And delirium's there. Um, long story short is she has lost her doggy. <laughs> yep. Uh, she kind of disappeared on him. And she's supposed to find him. And she remembers the last time she went on a quest, which was to find their brother, mm-hmm. Destruction, that uh, Destiny had given her good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious about where she got this sher- sheriff's badge. Yeah. Uh, and there's little fishies floating in front of her face. Yeah, she's got her fishies. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so she's remembering the last time and she got that help. And she's come here to ask him for help as well mm-hmm. in this case. And it's pretty fascinating. A couple things we learned from this scene that in the statues, it depicts Dream as covering his face and crying. Mm-hmm. It depicts destruction with his back turned mm-hmm. and a little bindle sack. Mm-hmm. And look at Desire. Yeah, she's like got her hand, or they've got their hand to their mouth, and they're kind of like looking to the side, That's I think, a at look. Dream. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. My sister, you've come to me for advice, and I can give you advice. If you look for your dog, you shall find it. But if you find your dog, you shall find other things also. The choice is yours. Do you understand me? Look at Dream. Hmm. Why does he look like that? Should I go to him? Should I try to cheer him up? I could make him happy, I think. I could sing him a little song. (laughs) Destiny gives two answers, which is a very weird Destiny thing to do. And I like that that even she points it out afterwards that he does it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Can you show me how to do that? I can only ever say one thing at once. Which is probably not true. She could probably say two things at once if she really wanted to. So one side of Destiny tells her that she could do it, but he suggests that she lets him do it on his own. Mm -hmm. And the other side says that it couldn't hurt him and it might might help. help. Hmm. Hmm. They don't necessarily contradict each other. Yeah. Yeah. Destiny's weird. Weird stuff happens with him. He's the, to me, he's the least human of the endless. Right? He's the most mystical. Mm. The the even though he's just a dude in a cloak with a book, he's the he's the one who doesn't really make much sense to me. Yeah, he's kind of unrelatable. Yeah. And so she leaves. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where she's going, but she takes a path. She made her choice. Yeah. yeah. And mm. I don't know if she's going to her dog or to dream. I think she's going to go to dream. Mm. Wait, that's a prediction. Yeah, okay. I'm saving it for later. Okay. <laughs> Forget that I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to not waste my predictions. <laughs> They're not wasted. It's a waste. You, a- you ask me at the end about my prediction and I have to come up with something when I've given out perfectly good predictions while reading. And then we're back with Thessaly slash Larissa and Lita. Florissa. Florissa. Leslie. 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 And she starts to do a ritual. It's awesome. Which involves dilfrons and laurel leaves and rose petals crushed in a honey base. We have had honey mentioned in this comic before, mm-hmm. along with... A black lamb. Yeah. Both of them were mentioned in issue two as being requirements to summon the kindly ones. Oh. Because when Dream came out of being imprisoned, he contacted them to find out what the heck he should do. 
And he summoned them. And when he did, he had to get honey, a black lamb, and then there's a few other things, uh, a gallows, which we don't see here, a crossroad. She specifically asked to be brought to the corner of Sweetser and Melrose. So there's definitely a crossroad nearby. Snakes, which she has in her hair. Mm -hmm. And a crescent moon, which we see in the sky above the place that they are. The only thing I haven't seen uh, that's from that list is a gallows. A gallows is the actual thing that you hang people That's where you hang people, yeah. Maybe she's got something in her apartment. Yeah, it's not seen. But what that makes me think is it is there. We just don't see it. Like... Like the gallows, like death is looming over this. Or like she lives in a house that someone had hung themselves in. Yeah, could be. Right? Like she lives in in a house that previously someone had died in, and Mm -hmm. that's why it's a gallows. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. That's so cool. Yeah. I have no way of knowing all that. I will admit I only know it because the first two were mentioned in, again, the excellent Sandman annotations, which has been around for almost 20 years, I think, Mm -hmm. over that, uh, because there's been people on the internet just keeping track of all these things they notice. And Mm -hmm. I went through and found all the rest of them and and, uh, noticed that everything but the gallows is there. Wow. Yeah. Um, So she smears the green stuff all over her face. Mm-hmm. And she pulls out this really cute little black lamb <laughs> that was very hard to get. Yep. Um, and she said she's going to be your guardian. And so for a second there, I was so convinced, like when she was killing the lamb, that the lamb would then like appear in Lita's mind, but mm-hmm. like as like a big black ram that was going to like protect her and be <laughs> all cool. And it wasn't that. They, she just used its blood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like really stoked. I was like, yeah, Lita's going to like have a whole thing with a, there going to be a lamb there, but it's going to be <laughs> like a rough, tough lamb. It's going to be voiced by the rock. Yeah. And uh, a good lesson that Larissa gets. Blood for blood, eh, little lamb? The No, the bottom one, nothing is too cute and sweet to be dangerous. <laughs> nothing is safe. Stab. Which is so clearly about herself because she is cute and sweet and tiny. Right. Oh, exactly. Like yeah. she's, I mean, those glasses and the way she's mm-hmm. drawn, like even if you go back to when she's speaking to the homeless men, like the way she's dressed and the way she's clutching her little clutch, but she doesn't look scared. She's just kind of mm-hmm. holding herself She's not adjusting her body language mm-hmm. to suit the situation. Like, she's just small and yep, apparently extremely dangerous. <laughs> yes, very. <laughs> and she calls to a bunch of people, including uh, saying, I consecrate the circle to her who waits beneath the earth and to her who makes life on the earth and to her who shines coldly above the earth. In Greek mythology, at least, these would be Persephone, the bride of Hades. Mm -hmm. Uh, And since the story takes place in winter, she would indeed be waiting beneath the earth. Demeter and probably Hecate or perhaps Artemis. But uh, the the Salmon Annotations is pretty sure it's Hecate because this is a mother, maiden mother crone triad. In panel four, she says there, I've done all I can for now. Trivia of the crossroads attend thee on thy travels, girl. Trivia is the Roman name for Hecate. Mm hmm. So it's wash off the blood and sleep on the floor or skip the bath and sleep in the tub. Choices. Always choices. The book she's reading is The Late Richard Dad by Patricia Aldridge. Richard Dad was an English artist of the late 19th century known for his fantastic subjects. He went mad. Oh. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that she's reading about madness. Mm-hmm. And Lita continues her journey while defended inside this little thing. She... Climbs down. Mm-hmm. Descending is always harder than ascending, and this descent is the hardest Lita has made. Well, yeah, because you can't see where you're grabbing. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah. That's why you got to crawl down, upside down, so you can see where you're going, right? I mean, that's how Spider-Man would do it. <laughs> yeah. It's too bad our hands don't work that way. And then we see the makeup mirror again. Yeah. We've had this view quite a few times. This is the way that she kind of takes a look at herself. Mm. And we again see the different versions of Lita. This uh, echoes, we saw this in The Doll's House uh, in issue 12, uh, page 9. And uh, also issue 61, we saw this repeated. So the first Lita in the mirror has long straight hair and eye makeup on. 
Um, it looks like her when she went to uh, for that job interview when she lost Daniel. Yeah, with a black dress. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired. Then stop. Huh? Well, look at yourself. You're crazy. You're weird. You're horrible. I wasn't going to grow up to be you. I was going to grow up to be someone else. Maybe when I grow up, I'll be a princess or a dancer or a movie star. Not a crazy woman. And that's a little girl. Yeah. Later. I'm not crazy. Of course I'm not crazy. I'm one of the good guys. I am the Fury. My feet are firmly planted on the ground. This is probably just some supervillain's mind control ray experiment. Resist, Lita! Resist! Until she's looking at her own. Oh, so that so that was Lita in her, um, her Fury, Fury costume. Outfit. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Yeah, and she's she basically saying, none of this is real. You're being mind controlled by a villain. Resist <laughs> it. Fight. The, <laughs> the cliched hero way of fighting it. Yeah. Yep. And, and then she's faced with her own reflection, but with the green paint. So the mm-hmm. reflection of herself in the real world. But notice that she's completely not looking at it. She hasn't looked at, at the mirror since the little girl started shouting at her. Yeah. But even in the mirror, her eyes are closed. There's always the choice. Not always. Sometimes there just aren't any choices at all. Notice the claws of brass that she has. Oh. That's the symbol of Medusa and the Gorgons. Remember claws of brass? Yeah. Yeah. And then she smashes the she mirror. She smashes the mirror. She's is very Medusa. Yeah. And also destroys that looking at herself that she kept doing. And mm-hmm. as soon as she does that, she's able to reach the kindly ones. And also notice the crescent moon above this as well. It's also like that little starburst that looks kind of like the light above Bethlehem kind of thing. Yeah, it also reminds me of Dream's eyes, but there's only one. Mm. So I I think it is a star. I'm not sure what the symbolism is there. Mm. Crescent moons and stars do go together quite a bit, though. Mm -hmm. So she arrives and she's got full snake hair, too. Yep. And the kindly ones welcome her as their sister. And then we see Morpheus, who is visiting an old friend. A land of rainbows. <laughs> ah, it's you. I thought I'd see you here eventually. Mm, how perceptive of you. Oh, that's unworthy of you. Perhaps it is. You know, you're the second person today to express their disappointment with me. Do you mean that, Gilbert? Am I really that disappointing? Hmm. And below continues the meeting with the kindly ones. Hmm. Offers her a cup of tea. And a fortune cookie, which they then read. She's not supposed to eat when she's there, right? Then she'll really become one of them. That was at the house of the uh, the Gorgons, oh. which she did. She drank and ate there. So Okay, so yeah. it's, we don't need to worry. It's too, she's, it's way too she's late. too far gone it's at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Let all that do ill take this precedent. Man may his fate foresee, but not prevent. And of all axioms, this shall win the prize. Tis better to be fortunate than wise. Hmm. Now, isn't that helpful? <laughs> so it's better to have nothing bad happen to you than to be smart than to make good choices. I, well, I think it's it's not it's not so much that is is that good choices sometimes won't help you at all because there's nothing that can be done mm. except get lucky, right? Man yeah. may his fate foresee but not prevent. So you might see it coming but you're not going to be able to stop it. Yeah. And so that's why it's better to be fortunate than wise. Mm. Because if there's nothing to be done, your wisdom's not going to help you. You just have to be lucky that something else saves you. And Gilbert appears as his G.K. Chesterton-influenced form when he walked the waking world. Hmm. And uh, he says whom, which is yeah. the best. Hmm. Hmm. But I am concerned for you, my lord, for all of us. The skies of the dreaming are gray and mournful, even here in me. He tries to give him some emotional support here, but Dream is having none of it. He does bring up his son's last death. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and Dream is like, no. Yeah, enough. Far enough. But taking care of people is what Fiddler's Green does. Mm. Because he takes in all the people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Dream says, I have my responsibilities. Yeah. Because Gilbert was trying to tell him, look, when it became too much for me, I just went and did another thing. I walked the waking world. Yeah. And Dream says, yeah, but you didn't get punished because you came back. And Gilbert's like, 
that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm saying you can do something else if this is a problem. And Dream's response is really, I have my responsibilities. And again, very small, looking away. There's no argument here. He's not arguing. He's just stating it. Hmm. And again, Lita with the kindly ones, she asks them if they're the Furies. Are we the Furies? Are you a hand or an eye or a tooth? Of course I'm not. I'm myself, but I have those things within me. There you go then, my little scorpion flail. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get some news that ravens all over the place start taking flight. Yeah. And ravens are birds of war. Morrigan, uh, as mentioned in the top right panel here, is the Irish goddess of war. Yeah. The Morrigan is also often described as a trio of individuals, all sisters, mm -hmm. called the Three Morigna. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So also tied to the kindly ones. And so that's the Morrigan's house. They're up on the, is that what that is? One woman lives or three or none. Yeah, so the Morgan who lives in the mm -hmm. house there. Yeah. Lita again calls them the Furies, and they're like, we don't like that word. Yeah, don't call don't us call that. Don't call us that nasty name. Do we look furious to you? Hmm. She calls her Lobelia, not the Furies, my Lobelia. I'm curious what that is. There was um, a mystical shop in my hometown called Lobelia's Lair, but I don't know who Lobelia so is. So Lobelia is a flower. It's a genus of flowering plants. There's 450 different types. Mm -hmm. There is a Lobelia Sackville Baggins. No, it's got to be the flower. So there's a few other uses of it. It's named after the Flemish botanist Matthias de Lobel. Mm -hmm. uh, many members of the genus are considered poisonous. Mm -hmm. As in my poisonous flower. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, I think she's calling her just a, a, a dangerous flower. Now, I, I'm loving all of these words. I'm loving this little speech she gives about the bad names, mm -hmm. but I do not know what termagant is. Termagant. Termagant. A harsh-tempered or overbearing woman. Oh. Termagant, shrew, virago, vixen, witch, bitch. Do we look furious to you? Termagant or tervagant was the name given to a god which Christians believed Muslims worshipped. The word is also used in modern English to mean a violent, overbearing, turbulent, brawling, quarrelsome woman, a virago, shrew, vixen. In the past, the word could be applied to any person or thing personified, not just a woman. Interesting. So it's one slur that's become another slur, basically. Huh. I love the response. No, you look very kind, very wise, very gentle. When they clearly don't look like that, right? Like, they look scary. <laughs> they do, yeah. They look very scary. But she says that they look kind and wise and gentle, and right. I like that. Yeah. So she's obviously seen something very different. Yes. Hmm. Now we're back to, obviously, Lita's old place. Mm-hmm. Because we can see the owl and the pussycat on the wall. We can see the busted lock on the door, and we can see the picture of Lita and Daniel. Yeah. So they head there, but uh, they're not finding anything. The kid's clearly not there. And suddenly Matthew uh, has this weird feeling like he needs to go home. Mm-hmm. And in the previous page, we saw ravens take flight, and Matthew's a raven. Mm -hmm. So whatever's calling these ravens is also calling Matthew. And Corinthians having none of that. You're my partner, like it or not. Walk out on me now, bird, and I wring your scrawny neck. Lovely. Charming. <laughs> so Lita finally asks them what she wants. Mm -hmm. There's a man. I want to do more than bother him. I want to destroy him. Why? He killed my son. He stole and killed my son. He killed my husband, too. Isn't that reason enough? No, dearie, it's not. You see, my gosling, the ladies you were talking about can really only avenge blood debts. That's one of the rules. It's the oldest rule. And above we see, even in hell, I guess, the ravens are taking flight. And in the real world, another example, the ravens who all live in the Tower of London have disappeared despite the fact that their wings are clipped. Yes. And also there is a belief that uh, the Kingdom of England will fall when the ravens leave the Tower of London. Interesting. 
However, in this, it might be a different kingdom that's in trouble. In Greek mythology, uh, Asarachus was a king of Dardania. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot about him. Uh, Asarachus inherited the throne of Dardania when his elder brother Ilus preferred to reign instead over his newly founded city of Ilium, which became known as Troy. When he died, the kingship passed to his son Capus. As a tribute to all his good work, Asarachus was buried in the midst of Troy, close to the Temple of Athena and later Palace of Priam. So it's, I think Neil just picked a name. This is for the demon. The demon, Asarachus, yeah. yeah. But he killed my son. That's a blood debt. Your blood, not his. Even if he had killed your son, we could do nothing about it. Had he killed his own son, then it would be different. Then, if we wished, we could hound him. We could destroy his life and his world, hound him to the grave and beyond. I see. Well, I'm sorry I wasted your time. Daughter. He did kill his own son. And that is a whip of scorpions. So, basically, and even she said even if he had killed, but he didn't. So, like, she's asking them to kill Dream because she believes that Dream killed her son. Mm-hmm. But they're saying here, he didn't kill your son. And even if he did, that's not we're not qualified to weigh in on and- that. We only come for people who kill their own family and notice how completely unclear they are on that yeah it's one even if he had they don't say oh he didn't they no. don't point that out to her because that would redirect her to who did yeah they like that she's mad about this well because they have another reason to kill him yes. they've wanted to get out this whole time because they want to kill him for having killed his actual son uh be- because his son made them weep yeah right he made the Furies weep. They will never forgive him for this. And Dream is the one who let his son, who was just a head, die. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's their job to avenge those kind of deaths. Yeah, and yeah. so he opened himself up to this mm-hmm. all that time ago. Yeah. And it was his sibling, Desire, who opened him up to that all that time ago, right? Uh, After a fashion, yep. Yeah. Ah... But remember how Desire looked in the in Destiny's Garden. Yeah, she didn't Worried look. They didn't about look too dream. stoked on it. Not yeah. happy about this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the issue. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I like. Yeah. 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 Stuff's happening, right? Like that is what a what a cliffhanger that is. Yeah, I mean, it was. A lot of like build up, like it was definitely, I think, a slower one, mm-hmm. but it's clearly like kicking off into, you know, the, mm-hmm. the it's not like action scenes because that's not really what this series is about. You know what right. I mean? You can feel like it's like revving up mm-hmm. to the big thing. I think, I think what we're describing is there's a very obvious act change right here. Yes. That we're going into act three. Yes. That. He did kill his own son is the act three change. Even though he did it, he didn't do it meanly. Like, he did it because his son asked for it. Do you think the the kindly ones care? No, of course not. (laughs) Of course they don't care. It sounds like they just wanted an excuse. Yeah. Right? Well, because didn't Desire try to set him up to kill his own child, to kill his own blood by having a kid so that he would kill that kid? Didn't that happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, D- Desire is Rose Walker's yes, exactly. okay. grandparent. And she wanted Dream to have to kill Rose Walker mm-hmm. so that he would be in the exact same position he's in now. Yep. And okay. she even, Desire even said, I will bring the kindly ones down around his head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oof. Oofa goofa. <laughs> yeah, stuff's happening. Okay. So any predictions? Where Where are we going from here? Where do we go from, from here? <laughs> yeah, I think Lita's going to wake up. Okay. And then what's she going to do? I think she's going to be empowered by the Furies. Yeah. Maybe. And she'll be like even more powerful. I think she or, or the Furies are going to come after. I get No, I don't think the Furies are going to directly come after Dream. I think that the Ravens are. Like... Like, I think it's going to be more that. Okay. Something to do with the Ravens coming after him. 
I think that Dream or whomever we're going to find a confrontation with Loki where Loki fesses up to what exactly like what he's how he's involved how he's like why he's doing what he's doing exactly okay like did he why did he kill that kid did he do it all to pop off because did he do it all because someone because desire had told him that that's the way to destroy dream or is he doing it for a whole other reason and it just happens that the Furies are going to end up coming after Dream because mm. of it? Like, I don't know. I think we have to find out who's the mastermind behind all of it. Yeah. And how nervous Desire looked made me think that it's not them, but also, <laughs> also I don't trust that either. <laughs> okay. It's a big murder mystery and I'm not good at those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, it's a murder mystery. Who got murdered? Oh, who done it? Yeah, who done what? Who done it? Who, who done what though? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who done what? And yeah. who done it? Yeah, and what? Yeah, okay. All right. Well, those are pretty good predictions. <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to find out what happens next episode. You've been dreaming of the Sandman, issue sixty-three, the Kindly Ones, part seven. For show notes, visit thedreaming.motivedust.com. Support future episodes at patreon.com slash thedreaming, and we'd sure appreciate it if you tell your friends about us. Our theme music is Oneri by Kai Engel. Hear more at kaiengel.bandcamp.com. The Dreaming was recorded in Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, Kikate, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. I'm Joe Fulgham. Thanks for listening. Time to wake up. If there are hungry shades about me, let them wait and stare unfed. If lonely aging gods there be here, let them look elsewhere for food. Aim near air, o there Thor. Be near me. I can't say that cool, can I? Aim in air, o Thor. Be anemia. Maybe maybe you don't read this. Narrato Brimo. Narrato Brimo. Narrato Brimo. I consecrate this. Oh, you already read that. I did. Don't keep any of that. That was dumb. I thought it would be cool, though. Yeah. When I read it the first time, I was like, I bet I can read that. so cool. It's going to make a great outro, though. No. Bye, everybody. <laughs> you try to read it. Spooky. Eminotheria thoria biniamia, putua lalapsa, forbia neriato brimo. Holy shit. That was so good. I think you just did a spell. What's that coming up into the ground? <gasps> <laughs>